0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Around the Table, the podcast for Redemption Women. My name is Dina Rogers, and I'm at the table today with my friends Lori and Jenny. And why don't you guys take a minute and introduce yourselves?
1: Hi, I'm Lori Green. I'm excited
2: to be back to the table, and I'm on staff here at Redemption Women. And my name is Jenny Mullins, and I'm excited to be at the table today. I am married to Jim Mullins, who's a pastor here, and have a daughter, Eliana, who's 10, and I'm excited to share. Cool. Thanks.
0: So if you're following along in our journal this season, Lord, teach us to pray. We are in week seven, or you should be around week seven, Elijah's bold ask. And as we thought about this podcast, who can we talk to that has asked God for big things? We ended up thinking, you know, even looking in our own lives, we've seen God do big things. He's provided big answers, and that gives us the faith to ask for ask for big bigger things I think. I don't think any of us like Elijah start out just with asking God for these bold things you know. Last spring we were studying James and one of the things James said is that we can ask and pray like Elijah. We're people like Elijah and then we looked at Elijah's story and he like asked God to change the weather and to send fire down from heaven and those are such big things and I don't know that we're in the habit of asking God for big things, but then we turn around and look at our lives and we think, that was impossible, what God just did. He's done so many big things. And so, yeah, so we just want to talk today about some of the big things that God has done in our lives and how that makes our faith grow and gives us the courage to ask for bigger things.
1: Yeah, we were kicking around ideas. Who could we ask to be at the table to talk about this? And... I don't even really know Jenny, but I have been at the Surge table with her husband, Jim, and I think an amazing thing is how much he speaks so highly Aww. of his wife. So I feel like I know her because he just makes you sound like the most amazing person. And he that makes is-
2: me sound... S- superhuman. It's not true. Don't believe it. Oh, well,
1: I mean, how great to have a husband speak so highly of you. Yes, so I, I, I think that's And a lot wonderful. of it is true. <laughs> so because I've heard some good stories and um, said, Dina, you need to reach out to Jenny. And I'm so thankful that you're here because I've been wanting to get to know you. So will you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that, um, Like Dina said, my faith has definitely been stretched and grown throughout my life. I don't think that I would have called myself a person with big faith, but God has been so faithful, and he's definitely um, just stretched that and increased my faith. So um, I grew up here in Tempe, uh, went to school here, and then went to Grand Canyon and graduated. And then right after that, I hopped on a plane um, and went to Indonesia for a year, and that actually definitely strengthened my faith, Um, 22-year-olds year old, kind of out in the world. Um, I can't believe my parents let me do that, (laughs) now looking back. Um, But that really helped catapult my faith, I think, because I had to rely on God for so much. Um, I came back from there Started teaching and met this guy that was an intern named Jim Mullins. And we started talking, and a year later, we got married. And we had both um, been thinking about going overseas, and so we ended up going overseas together with a team of um, some of our closest friends. And really, that period of time of leaving everything that we knew and r- stepping out in faith that God was going to have to catch us and lead us um, really strengthened. My faith it, that God does lead and He opens doors, um, that we can trust Him with the unknown. I, I'm a person that likes to have everything planned out, and I was the kid that organized everything in my house and had my life all planned out, and my life has looked nothing like I thought it would look like, probably like most of you listening. Um, but so I think that experience of living overseas and having to really trust God for big things and small things um, like how am I going to get my groceries home I have 10 things to carry and four flights of stairs um, so from there we came back and helped um, about 10 years ago we had our daughter and soon after that we moved back um, and kind of so you
0: had her when you were in Turkey
2: yes so yeah that was a faith building (laughs) experience having a child overseas um it was a good experience. I had a great doctor, but I also almost lost my life um, about seven weeks after I started hemorrhaging. And literally the doctor said if we had gotten to the hospital 10 minutes later, I would have died. Wow. So,
0: So God's been doing really yes. big things in your life for a really yes. long time.
2: Yeah. I've seen God's hand on my life, and there's several times where I should have died, and he has spared my life. And so I feel like through that I've learned to um, – just rely on Him and know that He's in control of things. Wow. Yeah. So what kind of things,
1: um, how has that affected your faith? What, What outcomes, because of these
2: experiences that you've had, what has that done to your faith and your life that you live now? I think it's made me hold everything loosely because I've realized life can be taken at any point, but also my plans can be taken. I mean, I never realized... Like, I thought I was going to be teaching first grade my whole life, and that has not been true. But God has done such amazing things throughout my story, and so it's made me just hold really loosely to the things that I thought.
0: Yeah. So, so what happened next? You guys came home from Turkey. How did so, you get from there to here? And
2: Yeah. So we came back, and we actually started a nonprofit at that time that was called Peace Catalyst International. It's still going. Uh, we helped launch that, um, and were part of the launch team and then Jim came on staff part-time at Redemption. Um, And then we just kind of have been here ever since we were at Redemption Gilbert first, and then we came to Redemption Tempe. And and during that time, so our daughter was one when we moved back, and um, she was developing pretty typically, and then around two years old, she lost language completely. So she was babbling and talking and all of that, and then at two, it just dropped off. And so at two, when she was two, it was really a crisis point in my life because For any parent that experiences that, it's terrifying because you don't know what's happening. Um, It took about a year of us seeing countless doctors and therapists and early intervention specialists to figure out that she was on the autism spectrum. So that was about a year later that we got that diagnosis. And that really sent me kind of in a tailspin. It was not what was on my radar. (laughs) Is it
0: typical that it takes that long to diagnose? Yes.
2: Yes. Wow. Yeah,
0: I didn't realize
2: Actually, the the um, pediatrician that we're going to see at Phoenix Children's had a year-long wait list, and we got in within six months, which was a miracle <laughs> because it was a year-long wait list. So, yeah, it takes a long wow. time. And I've,
1: I've heard the statistics say that it's more common in boys. Is that true? So you have a daughter. Yeah.
2: It's more common for it to be diagnosed in boys. Mm-hmm. I think it's just as common in girls. It just presents differently. Wow. It's my own opinion. but wow. yeah.
0: So how did God reveal himself to you, after, you know, in the diagnosis and in the subsequent yeah. weeks and months?
2: So I— Eliana wasn't sleeping very much, and I was just kind of walking around in a daze and thinking, and and really in a low point, kind of was praying desperate prayers for my daughter, but Mm -hmm. also for myself. Like, Lord, I need you to get me through this next hour because I don't feel like I can get through this next hour. Um, And it was really just moment by moment him sustaining me and getting me through. Like I didn't have the capacity to think about the future at that time because I was just in survival mode. Um, but we survived and we made it through some really hard seasons. She gained a lot of language when we started speech therapy and then we moved and she lost it all again. So we had a lot of ups and downs with that. Um, but we started to kind of gain traction with her about a year into starting therapy. And, and were
0: she, you still teaching
2: or? I wasn't. No, I, I quit, um, mm-hmm. working at that time. Uh, be, partly because of all her therapies and mm-hmm. doctor's visits and, um, So, yeah, I was fortunate to be able to stay home with her during that time. Um, But through that, I, you know, I really developed a lot of empathy for other parents and and relationships with parents um, who are struggling with similar things. And so I think as I got to know other parents who had children with special needs, um, there's just this bond that happened. But also in my mind, I had thought, I wonder if one day, God, you would use me to help other families that. Because I know that this pain and this path that I've been on is not just for us. Maybe it's for other people. So I remember praying that, but it was a very small prayer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I had no idea where that would lead me. Um, But like you said, God, God does things and he builds our faith. And so that was kind of the beginning of that.
0: Wow. So now um, a lot of the people, a lot of our listeners know that you are a director of Advocacy 31.9. Can you tell us about that and how just being Eliana's mom and knowing God got you to this space and what you do?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So Jim always quotes um, Steve Garber. You might've heard this quote before. Steve Garber says, we're implicated by what we know. And I, um, felt that way i felt like once i knew about just the struggles that special needs families have and and just walking through the path of getting services i felt implicated by that to help other families and so i started having different friends and people ask me hey would you come with me to this meeting at the school or whatever and so I started um, just kind of informally serving as a special education advocate and then about four years ago I um, was hired by an organization to do that as a job and so I learned more about that um, and through that time I was getting a lot of foster families referred to me um, foster children have a lot of unseen needs and because of the trauma that they've experienced and so um, I started working with a lot of foster families in because the place I was working charged quite a high fee for uh, service, mm-hmm. I, I was always telling families, oh, don't worry about it. I'll just do it for free. Don't worry. And then <laughs> at one point, my boss said, you know, you might want to think about <laughs> maybe <laughs> figuring something out to make that work. So I, yeah. um, one of the families I helped was the Marshall family who goes to Redemption Gilbert. They have seven kids, and four of them have been adopted And so Nicole and I, um, I helped her at her um, school meeting. And we were in the parking lot at her school. And I remember her saying, you know, this is the help that foster families need. Can we find a way to start something so that we could provide this service? And I had already been thinking about that. And so that kind of led to a series of conversations. And then we um, started a nonprofit that would support foster families. yeah, and so we actually received a redemption grant last year, which helped launch us. So that was really neat to just to have that support of our church behind us.
0: Wow, so, yeah. for sure. And then I'm sure you've seen God continue to answer prayers in the running and the development of your um Your business, your nonprofit. Can you talk about that a little bit? So
2: I'm not a business leader, and I'm not a nonprofit leader. Um, I'm just a a person that has a lot of passion and wants to help people. And so when we started, I I started praying that God would bring people alongside me that had the expertise and um, that could help me because I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that God was calling me to do this. So I said, okay, I'll do it. And God, you're going to have to provide people. So I started praying that he would bring people, and he has, and he's brought um, some amazing people into our path that serve um, as volunteer advocates. So it used to be just myself going to meetings with families or reviewing documents or um, helping families navigate the system, but um, God's brought 10 different volunteers that um, can help serve other families. So essentially, we've been able to provide 10 times what we were doing last year um, because of people that God's brought. So we wow. have a retired superintendent of a district who um, wants to help. We have a um, someone that's a retired from special education. We have someone that was a foster care licensing worker. Like we have these amazing people that I could never have even thought to ask. God has brought mm-hmm. all of them to me, like random circumstances where I'll get a phone call and God will say, this is your person, go talk to them. And, so, um, yeah, it's definitely been something that God's built my faith through just to see, okay, whatever need I have, I'm just going to say, Lord, this is what I need. And he, he meets it, really.
1: Well, just knowing that part, how can anybody listening who wants to get involved or find out more about it or support you, what, yeah. how do they find find you?
2: Yeah, so we're um, at advocacy, it's www.advocacy, A-D-V-O-C-A-C-Y. Three one nine n i n e dot org. It's very confusing. We'll have to link to it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, our name comes from Proverbs thirty one nine, which is stand up, speak rightly, defend the rights of the poor and vulnerable, and we really felt like that um, encapsulated our mission. We really want to stand up, excuse me, and speak up for the vulnerable. So, yeah, they can go to that link. Um, If people want to volunteer and get connected, they can send a message through the website. Oh, great. Yeah.
0: Wow. Thank you, Jenny. That was amazing. You know, we've been talking about all of these answers to prayer, but we do like to um, end our podcast this season asking our guests if they have a favorite prayer story that they'd like to share. So does anything come to mind for you?
2: Yeah, yeah. So some of you might know this story. Jim, my husband has shared this before, but about five years ago, we were living in a house and uh, we came home and our the door was unlocked and we went inside and Jim saw the back door kind of swinging as we walked in and we kind of walked in essentially mid-robbery. So we our TV was on the back fence. We saw the people run out and so obviously that led to a lot of fear, a lot of anger of you know just feeling kind of violated. If you've ever been robbed and had that experience, but it's, they got away. They got away. Yes. So, you know, we were just praying about this and trying to figure out what to do next after we'd filed police reports and all that. And Jim had this idea that we would um, work as a family and create this poster and talk about. Uh, it said something like. To the people that robbed our house, we see your skill and action in being able to um, figure out how to get into our house. And we hope that God will use that skill to bless our city or something like that, something ridiculous like that. And our daughter, like, drew a rainbow, oops, drew a rainbow and um, put a picture and we put it on our back wall. And we just prayed this crazy prayer that God would somehow use that poster and whoever robbed us would see it, um, and that God would do something through it. So Jim was outside in the front front yard, and this guy came by, and he was like, hey, did you guys lose an iPad? Because that was one of the things that was stolen. And He's like, oh no, I, we didn't lose an iPad. We had one stolen, but we didn't lose one. And the guy got kind of uncomfortable, and he's like, no, no, I think you lost it. I think I found it in your house, or in your yard. And he was trying to give it to Jim, and like, no, no, you should keep it. I didn't lose it. So Anyway, through this series of awkward conversations, Jim realizes, oh, this is the guy. This is the guy that um, robbed us, and he's trying to somehow make it right. So they start talking, and there was a moment where it just kind of shifted. And I think the guy realized that Jim knew it was him, and he just starts confessing all these things. Like he was um, busted for drugs, he was on his way to court, and he said he was staying with his um, Cousin who lived right across the street from us, and his window faced right where we put that poster. So, literally, I'm sure he walked by that poster wow. all yeah. the time. And so, he's just talking to Jim about like his life and what mm-hmm. led him to this point. And Jim's praying with him, and he ended up, that was it. Like, we never knew the end of that story, but <laughs> it was just a crazy, you know, crazy thing that happened that we prayed literally that this ridiculous idea that we had to make a poster and put it up in the hope that this guy would see it. He did and that God used it in his life. So that definitely built our faith as a result. Wow, that's an amazing story. I love it.
1: I, I yeah. could hear it 10 more times than I still would just be fascinated by <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's so great. Well, Jenny, it's been so great having you here at the table with us. We're so thankful um, that you took the time to be with us yeah. and Next time, we'll be back with Ricardo Stewart, the lead teaching pastor at Redemption Tempe. He's going to be talking about prayers for the church, and you'll find that in week eight of the journal. So we're looking forward to seeing you guys again next time when we gather around
0: our podcast table, immerse ourselves in scripture, and disciple one another towards Jesus. Thanks for listening.